Welcome to Coaching the Brave podcast with Yovana Chase. I am Yovana Chase, and I am here to provide you positivity and possibility because hope and community is something that we all strive for and we all really need. So enjoy and sit back. I am so thankful that you are here another week because what we're going to be discussing here is just so many fun people who are not only part of the military community, but who are also part of the civilian community and who have things to offer for the military. And it's not only about interviews and chatting together, but it's also about experiences of coaching and meditations and just fun little quirky things that come to mind that I just want to share with you. And I hope that they bring you a light at the end of the day to take with you toward to the rest of the week. And I hope you really enjoy. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right. So just a heads up, I am dealing with some allergies, so I sound a little nasally today. And I just want to apologize about that ahead of time. And thank you so much for tuning in today. One of the most amazing things about having a platform and being on a podcast um, where people are open to interviews, it's just amazing to hear the stories, the resources that come out of all of these uh, struggles and the struggles that people are going through that have a happy ending and that, you know, are still continuing, that it's still life and it's not the end and we still have possibilities. And it's just amazing to hear all these amazing stories and to share them with you. So again, this series is all about the series is all about um, relating, relatability, and possible hope to offer the listeners out there. And I want to have that intention out front that states, you know, my intention is pure and that all of the interviewers have willingly come on to this podcast and shared their personal stories. So um, I just want to ask of you to respect their experiences and to, you know, not, you don't have to relate to them. You don't have to have an opinion. You can, but you don't have to. Just, I, I invite you to be objective and non-judgmental. And to really honor these people who are being brave for you because they are sharing their experiences willingly and openly with the world. And so I thank you for listening. And perhaps there might be one little nugget that you do take away from some of these stories and hopefully some resources as well. Um, We have talked about a lot of resources in these interviews that the military can offer. And I'm hoping that some of you who do possibly need these resources or may need them in the future can take advantage of them because that's why they're there. They're for us to use them because there was a need for it in the beginning. And so if you don't know about them, uh, you know, I hope you learn about them now. And if you have learned about them, Put in the comments how they helped you or how they didn't help you. You know, that's really important to know. And uh, again, 
being objective, um, possibly not so intense. Because I know we could all get very intense, but let's keep it real, right? Let's keep it respectable. Do you know when you truly yearn for like-minded friends that you could grow with, you know, that you've had experiences in the past where it's been a little toxic, well, and now you've grown from that immaturity and have become a mature, responsible, you know, person who has learned a lot from life and who now wants to grow more, but wants to also be around those types of people who are just happy and like really, you know, they know they're wise. They're wise. Well, I've hit the jackpot by moving to Washington State and in this little up and coming neighborhood of mixed civilians and military families, active and retired, you know, all different branches. There is connection in choosing to live off post as well as living on post. We have miraculously built respectable boundaries through communication and leading these healthy lives apart. And then we come together in certain neighborhood functions and it's just a lightness about us all that we respect each other and we really honor each other as well. We look out for one another and it's just a beautiful mix of a military community. We made uh, choices, you know, that we wanted to live off post for certain reasons. And a lot of others in the neighborhood have made the same. So we are like-minded in certain ways. And uh, we what, what truly makes the armed forces what they are is that variety in different people and how we can make our experiences together and apart the best that we can. So uh, this woman, she is the type of woman you want to approach in the group. She is open to talk about anything. She's happy. She's smart. She's creative, organized, full of energy. When I met her, she was authentically her. I'm so honored to be in her presence and call her a friend. So you don't even understand, like four years ago, I wanted to be this woman. <laughs> and we didn't even know each other. Now I live next to her and her husband, who both happen to be behavioral analysts. And she and her husband are just jewels. So thankful to be living next to them. I have met people over these couple of weeks and months and I don't nerd out as often as I do with her. <laughs> it's like an everyday nerd fest. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having Christina share with you her journey and I hope you enjoy. Hey, thank you so much, Christina, for joining me today on Coaching the Brave podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for all of you listeners, Christina is one of my neighbors, and we also have a lot of fun <laughs> in our neighborhood. And we've just become this beautiful community that I couldn't have asked 
better for. So I have asked her to come on to the podcast today because I just find her so fascinating. And um, I feel that she's a very educated person who is very down to earth. And I really appreciated that about her. And every time she speaks, it's with a smile. And I love that. So thank you. for Thank you for being you, Christina. <laughs> I really value our friendship and just, I love the neighborhood. It's been beautiful. And just getting to know everyone, it makes me feel like I'm a part of something. Right. That's how I feel too. It's amazing. All right, everybody. So for you to get to know her just a little bit more, I'm going to share with you what she shared with me as far as her bio. And then we'll get into it because I feel that her experience can bring a lot of um, wealth and knowledge to all the other military families out there. And it's just, I, I want you to make your own kind of, you know, opinion and everything about it. But I really hope that this, this intention is going to help you with whatever it is that you need help with. So um, yeah, Christina Hartzell. And her husband, they have served in the military for 12 years on active duty and until medically discharged from the United States Army. He is now considered a disabled veteran. During his military career, Christina worked closely with families uh, first as an autism specialist, then as a family advocate, and finally a board-certified behavior analyst. During her husband's service, they lived at several installations to include JBLM, Fort Sam Houston, El Paso, Fort Leonard Wood, Fort Drum, and Schofield Barracks. Um, the Army allowed them to have a family with the assistance of fertility treatments. At the age of two, her son was diagnosed with autism, and the Army allowed them to continue care for him in the form of developmental uh, doctors, occupational therapy speech therapy, ABA services, and physical therapy. The community and support that helped them through the 12 years um, of service has provided them with lifelong friendships and memories. Uh, without the military support, they may not have had a family or the assistance to see their son prosper today. Christina, did I live anything out? Do you want to add anything? No, it's, you know, it's very good. It's been a, it's been a great journey. Um, and one that I, I miss daily. Um, you know, I, I'm so thankful for the time that my husband spent in the service and just being able to be a part of it. And my husband and I are going on 17 years of marriage. So we have been around <laughs> since the very beginning. Um, I remember <laughs> going down to basic as a married woman by myself at a very young age and just seeing him graduate from there and then grow up. And he really, he wanted to make the army a lifelong career. And unfortunately it didn't work out that way. Um, and once he became non-deployable, we had to, you know, move on. Um, but he still works with military families um, as you know, he works at Madigan um, back in the lab and it's been great. He still trains soldiers and works with them and helps people back there. And it, it's, you know, it's been an amazing journey. Oh, my goodness. That is so beautiful. And, you know, it always and I say this all the time because we try so hard to control the life and the where and the plan that we want to go to. 
but just life has a different plan for us and we don't know it until it's happening. Yeah. You know, and then for you to be so in flow with it and still find the beauty of it, that's just, I think that's really what we're here to do. That's how absolutely. I feel. Yep, absolutely. And just, just what you said, finding the beauty of it. I think there were times when we were in the service or when we were moving um, or, you know, just high stressful situations when your husband's gone and you're kind of sitting there by yourself and you have all kinds of stuff going on for me. It was doctor's appointments for my son, um, health concerns for myself, and just trying to, you know, make it work with a child that had autism. It was relearning how to do everything in his special way. and. In those moments, I think there were times that I went, I hate this. What are we doing? Um, I remember, you know, my husband getting to go to work every day. That's how I looked at it. And I became almost resentful because I was like, I'm stuck here. (laughs) I know no one. (laughs) I have no friends. I don't work right now. And you're gone 24 seven. And that's, that's hard. Um, you know, even if it's just like, hey, they're pulling CQ and here's a 24 hour shift. And then the next day they have to come home and sleep at one point, yes. <laughs> you know, so now you're you're left home alone all night. Um, you have a child that you have to take care of and then they have to make it home. And they're, you know, talking to you on their way home and like, I'm so tired and you're scared because <laughs> you're like, are they going to make it? Right. You know, it's yeah, it's it's a lot some days, but I, I guess. I have that where I'm able to look back on my time and I went, you know what? It's not that bad. It wasn't that bad. And I've seen so much of the United States. But <laughs> I've got to meet so many people and eat some amazing food. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I wouldn't change it today. Oh, that's beautiful to be able to look back and know that you went through the, the real thick of it. and experience all the realness of it and then just sit back and reflect really because that's what it is you're going through the emotions all over again in like one second and then just saying wait a minute that really was fun it wasn't <laughs> that really that was an experience <laughs> it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was <laughs> at the time um right. you know because there was a lot of tears as oh, military, yeah. you know, spouses in general, there's there's some hard times. I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. No. Hard times, but there are some really, really, really good times in there too. Getting to go to, you know, the balls. I miss that. I miss being oh, yeah. dressed up. And just <laughs> feel important for the day. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> I feel so special in my beautiful gown. Um, and I know that sounds cliche, but as an adult, you know, going on my 40s, I, the last time I dressed up and got to wear a ball gown, that was it. That was yes. the last time. I was- yes. It is something so off um, what they're saying, like cancel culture kind of thing. It's like in the 20s, we would dress up all the time, right? We would have balls all the time just for gatherings for Christmas. And it has definitely chilled out a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I remember I remember as a child, oh my gosh, 
you know, having every time Christmas hit, we had to wear a dress. Mm -hmm. I had to go visit everyone. It was an exciting time. And we just don't, you know, we don't really do that too much anymore. It's, you know, we, I think this year, I mean, this year was really good though, living in our community, because although I didn't have my family around, we made something really special here, you know, going to somebody, someone's house and having like almost a potluck there and just taking pictures and letting the kids run around. And it was something very special. So, you know, it's enjoying those small moments. And you build the family that you choose. And it just, once everyone has that same feeling and that same uh, bonding, it's almost like that is family. There's no turning back. (laughs) Family is definitely, it's a vault over time. You know, used to think mom and dad, that's it. Well, then we have extended family. And now we have really, really extended family because (laughs) we have friends in there, you know, and I, I can't tell you how many times I have met people moved away, hadn't talked to them for a year or so. And then all of a sudden, here they are again. Yes. And it's beautiful <laughs> because we can pick up right where we left off. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And it's so, that's the part that's so beautiful is that whenever you do have that separation time and you can pick up when nothing, you know, when no time has gone by, but really a lifetime feels like it has gone by. It's like, oh my gosh, those are the best friendships. Oh, absolutely. I try. try. Facebook has been amazing. I know that's showing my age. I know. (laughs) It has been absolutely wonderful just to see people grow and build more families um, themselves. And one day I hope that maybe they'll come back here. Maybe they'll come back to JB11. I'll see them again. We'll see. And and then we have homes all over the world because then we have friends that we can visit and it's just so beautiful. Like let's say you you lived in Hawaii before, right? Yeah. You could always go back and oh, you oh. know where to go, who to see, you know, so long as they're still there and wow, it's just amazing. Absolutely. And, and that's, Hiking. That's, oh yeah, those pictures that you share, oh my gosh, they're beautiful. <laughs> I, I will go back. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I will be back. Yes. <laughs> so those of you who know Christina and that are still there, she's coming back one of these days. <laughs> and, I, and I still I still talk to my friends there. Um, some co-workers that I used to work with. I still talk, I, you know, talk pretty much weekly with some of them um, just to to see how it's going you know, how they've changed, kind of help them if they needed any help with their career and any advice that I could give them. And I, I love the whole island. It was beautiful. We really jumped, you know, all in there, um, getting to know the culture and just the different people that are around there. Because, you know, when you think of Hawaii, you just think, oh, it's just Hawaiians. But it's not just that. There's such like a huge population of just Asians and all kinds of different Polynesian. And it just, you mix it all together and, oh my gosh, best food I've ever ate. <laughs> I keep going back to that one. I'm a foodie. Yes. Tell me what was your favorite recipe? What was your favorite food combination? Oh, okay. So <laughs> in Hawaii, we went to downtown Chinatown. It's not the cleanest. I'm just <laughs> a warning, not the cleanest. I remember my, going with my son's therapist 
there. And she was like trying to get my son almost to desensitize the area because he's kind of a cleany, you know, it has to be clean. It has to, you know, he starts to get very worried when things aren't like that. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I was really worried (laughs) when we went there. Um, But she goes, no, trust me, we're going to go eat at this dim sum place there. And I said, okay, we'll try it. I'm over here like going, yes, we're going to get sick tonight. (laughs) We went in this restaurant and this lady pulls up in her cart and she's just got like tons of like just steam sticky buns and dim sum and gyoza and everything. And you had to know what you wanted. And I was so thankful that she was there because I had no clue. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't in English. So I had no clue what we ordered. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we ate the food. We had so much food there too. So much. It was so good. And I remember looking at the bill going, I have no clue what that even says. <laughs> so it's just symbols. Oh yeah. It's like I how much is this? Cuz I'm thinking we just had this entire table filled with food. We're in Hawaii. <laughs> this is going to be like $200. Yeah. And it was $18. What? <laughs> Best experience. <laughs> I was so happy. I'm like, I can eat here every day. Oh my goodness. And that just sounds so refreshing too. I love Oriental food because of their freshness. They're yeah. they're they're clean, you know. Like you, you, you're saying the place wasn't clean, but I'm very sure that the food was just so pure. And oh my goodness, all the veggies, all the veggies and stuff. It was, <laughs> it was absolutely it by far the best I've ever had, and I have not found any that's similar. That's so sad. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just gonna have to go back there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Or do you keep in touch with her still? Is she still there? Uh, so she um, she actually just kind of partially retired. Okay. Uh, so she moved from the island and she is now in Montana, I believe. Okay. Um, but she kind of brought her business because she's got two kids that are also BCBAs. Nice. They, one went to like Colorado, one went to Utah. So she, she brought the business to mainland a little bit. So. Very cool. Very awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness. For you for you guys that know me and some that don't, like I I wanted to go on that track of being a BCBA. But I got very overwhelmed and had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and um it just wasn't my path and that's okay. Cause I still had like eight years working with children with autism and it was just beautiful. I I loved that experience so much. So I think that's another thing that really connected me and Christina, because I mean that just it's a whole nother spectrum of love and devotion that you have to have to, to work with families and, you know, children diagnosed with autism. I, I kind of, you know, I had a really bad experience with a BCBA. Really? Yeah. A, as a mom. And I remember I, I just finished my master's degree program or no, my bachelor's degree program. I apologize. I just got my bachelor's degree and I remember going with this therapist that came into our house. I remember going, nope, nope, you got to leave. I can't, I can't, like, we are just not getting along together. Her ideas were just not my ideas. And we were just missing something for our, you know, my son, which is who the program should have been about. Yeah. And I remember sitting down with my husband and going, I am going to do this so I can do better. 
I need to be better for these families because this is, if this is the direction we're going in, we're going to fail. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of people have, you know, similar situations to where, you know, you get burnt out really quick. You can't make it through the program because you don't have somebody there mentoring you and making it work. And it's, it's, it's so horrible that, you know, like I would have loved to just to come in and been like, I'm a BCBA too. I'd have been like, oh my God. But, you know, it's, it's okay. Your story is very similar to a lot of people's. Um, I have, I have friends that are just like, I'm, I I have my master's in ABA, but I have not passed the board. I've offered, listen, take my, you know, let me help you. Let me help you study. Just, you know, let's, let's get it together. And they're very much like, you know what? I'm good at this point in my life. I don't know if I want to take that step because it's so hard. you got to gain those hours. You have to work full, you know, it's, it's literally full time for a year. And, you know, now with the, there's some new requirements that are coming out, unfortunately, and it's going to be longer than a year. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's tough. And just to work with these families, but I I wouldn't have had it any other way because I, my life, I didn't know I was going to have a son with autism. Right. You know, somebody sat there and told me that that's going to be my life. I don't think I would have believed them or what it was going to be about. And with that being said, there's nothing wrong with my son. No. I love my baby. Yeah. Well, he's not a baby. He's almost 15. He's always a baby. He always. Yes. They're he's babies a- no matter what. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, although he would tell me, mm, mom, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's a very snarky little teenager now. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, he, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just no. a different way of learning. That's, That's it. Right. Yeah. And looking at the world, too. Yes. Yes. I think, I think it's... We have to be more open-minded to the fact that different perspectives are just that, different yep. perspectives. And it's it's wonderful when we can sit down with someone and just listen to their perspective and understand how it is for them. At least try to understand. Yep. We don't all understand. but I can't tell you how many times he, he'll sit me down and go, Mom, listen, the, the, it, it, it's this, not that. And I will go, there's a gray area though, honey. He goes, no, there's not. It's either this or that. And then I, you know, I will ask him follow-up questions like, why do you believe that? Or why do you think that? And next thing you know, I'm like, oh, there's no gray area. <laughs> <laughs> those are awesome longer conversations. Yes. Wow. I those learned so much. Wow. <laughs> <Every> day. <laughs> it's awesome. That is awesome. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, with all of the moves that you've made, what was the your biggest hurdle that you were forced to learn? Um, and if there was an experience or many that you kind of brought with you to yourself, your family, what was that? So I have two for this one. (laughs) First one, being a mom with a special needs child, um, you have to prepare them before the move because it's difficult. You know, I'm sorry, sweetie, but your toys are going to get packed and let's pray that we see them in a month. (laughs) That's hard. Um, And every state, every school that you move into, every school that you move into 
is going to make us go through the IEP process again every single time. And it is tough when you're trying to deal with the Army stuff, first off and foremost, um, having to deal with just making sure we're getting paid correctly or paid at all. Uh, <laughs> making sure that we have enough money on the military credit card to pay for the hotel that we have to stay at for the next 30 plus days. Right. <laughs> some kind of housing somewhere. Um, hopefully, yeah. Yes, hopefully. And then when they do give you a house, you are not allowed to go into the house, but, you know, kind of peek in and go, is it clean? Yeah. <laughs> hopefully everything works. Part? Yeah. And I Google it online to see if somebody took pictures of the inside. Right. Um, and back know. then, did they have Facebook, those kind of groups that? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. I, I The last move that we did when it was going to Hawaii, I was so excited because that was like 2016 when we moved out there-ish. Uh-huh. And I found a Facebook group. Oh, good. <laughs> those have been godsends. Yes. <laughs> This is the first uh, <laughs> technology has came a long way in my lifetime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that, you know, just because you don't, you don't know about any of that stuff. And then all suddenly, you know, you get phone calls from the school that's like, hey, so we received his records um, and we're, we're going to honor it right now. But once we get to know your child, we're going to do the process again. And you're just kind of going, oh, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. What, what you know, are we sure that he's going to get services for the next, you know, 45 plus days that it's going to take you to reevaluate him, to rewrite a new one? And that's more IEP meetings that I have to sit in on. And my son is already going to, I'm going to get so many phone calls in between just him starting the new school and everything. I'm going to be called in the school because they're not going to know how to handle him. I'm going to have to take, he's got a service dog. So a service dog's going to have to go with me everywhere. And it's, it's a nightmare going through that process. Um, and every state has different, every location, let's be honest there. Every yes. institution you go to has different like programs for him to do. Okay. So one place that like El Paso, never, I've never done it before. They had um, biofeedback. And it's wow. where they put like electrodes on his head and it helps with like ADHD and it helps retrain their brain. So as they're watching a movie that they like and their brain starts to wander off, it actually like flickers on the screen to show them that, hey, you're not paying attention. Come back here. It wow. was the I know, coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, I guess like Stanford uses it and stuff for people that are wanting to study better or learn how to study better. And it's shown some really good promising results. But then we moved from there and I have never heard of it again. So it's a whole process. Just be open to it. Yes. Yes. Opening, you know, what is the, what did you learn about that process that helped you to have that grounding within the process? I, I try to, come into every situation with an open, you know, open mind. Um, Because it's stressful. It's stressful for me. It's stressful for my son. And sometimes it's easier to go into the school and let your frustrations out. And you cannot do that. Because it's a working partnership with the schools. 
Um, you're not the first person to move into the school district. You're surely not going to be the last person that moves into that school district with somebody with special needs. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've worked, I've seen some families that are like, oh, we have, you know, this horse therapy that's part of this IEP. I've never been offered horse therapy. Let me tell you in all the places that I have lived, I'm like, where were you at? Yeah, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I want my kid to get, you know, for school to just the school people to be like, hey, come pet this horse. Yes. Like, that sounds awesome. Can I be involved? Right. But, you can't go to another state or another school district and expect them to buy a horse right? for your child <laughs> to have that. So it's, it's really just about staying open, talking and working with the school and try not to get frustrated, which is a hard thing, but it is. the best thing you can do. Don't get mad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I want to go deeper into that, but you know, for time's sake, yeah. you know, it's, it's something that, is out there many 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 parents get this frustration and it's it's almost to the point where i've witnessed parents withdrawing yes. from a lot of the services and almost not being a advocate for their own children and it's kind of um oh, not overwhelming but it's depleting for us as the therapist to just go in there and just be like but you have this you know you can do this how can I help you you know like I it's it's very rough but but it's um it's you know it's you have help out there that's that's the thing like there is help out there and people will listen to you I know that um other families other parents are there and they know and they're now with Facebook too there's other groups out there that can help as well and it might not be the same you know way that you would want to be helped but it's something that's there you know? absolutely and and I'm actually one of those parents that have withdrawn my son from school yeah. before in the past that's I've right. yeah I've homeschooled for many many years and I actually run a homeschool Facebook page yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> with a special needs and and um special needs in homeschooling and so I I have almost like uh, 1500 people that come on there and they all you know for somebody that's just it, it was something just to do to keep myself motivated I, I couldn't believe it how many people have joined and just have questions and are I'm, I'm now not even really being the one that gives advice anymore because I have so many people that are doing it as well which is what I want you know but yeah I mean sometimes homeschooling is the option yeah it's true even yeah even with uh typical children too it's almost like it's a more personalized approach to learning yep yeah i think it helped my yeah sometimes even more open-minded too yep awesome all right and you mentioned that the military allowed you to have a family if you are comfortable with this would you explain um a bit further in regards to what this miracle for the audience is who may be going through similar situations and struggles. Absolutely. Uh, so I got married in 2006 and I was, it was right before my 21st birthday. So very young. Um, and later on in that year, my husband joined the army and the whole reason he joined the army was because I just, I stopped having a period. I know that's some men they are probably like, ah, right now. 
earmuffs. <laughs> and then, so I stopped, I stopped having a period. It, it became like the running joke with a lot of my friends. Oh, I know why you got married now. Because, you know, getting married at that young of an age was kind of a shock for a lot of people. And they're like, oh, it's because you're pregnant. It's because you're pregnant. And I was gaining weight during this time. And I remember going to the doctor and they did all these tests. And obviously I wasn't pregnant, but I had finally went to a specialist and they said, listen, you have um, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And they, he, you know, he had explained to me, you know, it's going to be hard to have a child. Your best chance of having a child would be to start right away. Um, and then you're going to need the help with fertility. And I, on the outside of the military, fertility work is so expensive. Every shot that you give yourself, it costs so much money because insurance just don't, it, it doesn't cover it. Every time that you have to take Clomid, it, it's not covered by the insurance. And so when my husband went into the service, it was awesome because we were, we gained access to fertility doctors. And so, yeah, and, and every place is different. So not all places have the same treatment, unfortunately. Um, but during one of the times we were down in San Antonio, which meant that this, now this was before <laughs> the combined Army Air Force Base. So okay. <laughs> this was a while ago. Um, this is where fertility and, and birthing actually took place at Lackland. Okay. Um, on the other opposite side of San Antonio, <laughs> we had we had a long drive, but it was wonderful there because the doctors were absolutely amazing. They did different. I was actually a part of a few studies wow. where, yeah, like they they put a wa they did one of these ov uh, ovulation watches on me okay. to see like when I'm ovulating, and then they would kind of do it along with um, the ultrasound to see if the watch was even accurate. Oh, that's predicted. amazing. Uh, and, and during that time in San Antonio, everything was covered. They did the IUIs there. They gave me all the shots there. They did everything in-house and it was absolutely amazing. Um, that is where I had, I, I've actually been, I've lost three babies now. Um, so when we were in San Antonio, uh, one of the fertility treatments worked. And I remember the reason we were in San Antonio in the first place is because my husband was at AIT. Okay. Yeah. Most wives or spouses don't get to move with their husbands or spouse uh, during that time. But we did because it was a year long AIT okay. for what he was doing. So during a year long one, I I'm allowed to move with them. So I was he just couldn't live with me, which is far. <laughs> baby, and I have no man <laughs> living with me. <laughs> that made it really hard. Yes. Uh, so going to all these fertility, you know, appointments and stuff like that. I and when they were doing the testing for my husband, I remember him having to bring a battle body. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I have to go in a cup." <laughs> With a battle buddy next to me. <laughs> I just remember him being like, it was the most awkward conversation of why I'm going there ever. Yeah, yeah and I can imagine. <laughs> like, 
thankfully the guy was really cool about it but it, it it's it, it is it's a journey it really is and when we were there we, I was so excited because I finally got the news that I was pregnant I was like oh my gosh I was so happy um Brian had a long weekend so that meant that we can go out and I remember waking up right before he got out of work so that meant he was still at work I remember waking up and bleeding and I knew then that I lost the baby. I was, it was still very early in the pregnancy, but I knew I lost my baby. And I had to call my husband. I had to go into the hospital just to get him to come with me. Um, the hospital was so amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, they worked with me. You know, they were very compassionate about what was going on. And these are, were all military doctors. My doctor from the fertility clinic came up there even and sat with me and talked to me through this entire process. And then he was like, listen, we're going to try again. You know, we have to give your body a good month break, but we're going to start you back on the shots and we're going to get you pregnant again. And I remember going, okay, well, during that time we PCS (laughs) because why not? Right. (laughs) That's army for you. Right. So (laughs) just, you know, I'm like, okay, So we were getting ready to PCS. I had just done another cycle. And guess what? I'm pregnant again. Yay. Not yay. (laughs) No. We go go to, we were in Fort Leonard Wood. And I remember I'm pregnant and I lost another baby Mm. while I was there. Um, So I went into the doctor. The doctor said, I can't find the baby. You know, I was still very early about, I would have been about six to eight weeks. And she kept saying, I can't find the baby. I can't find the baby. And I just kept crying because I wanted my fertility doctors from San Antonio. Because they've been with me through this journey. And so I had to make the choice then. Because if it had attached itself to somewhere else, it could become very dangerous. So you know, I had to have my husband with me the whole time, which they were, the army was wonderful. They allowed him to hold my hand and I had to, you know, we had to take the shot of mextroxate, mm-hmm. which kills off rapid growth of tissue, yeah. which meant we were aborting whatever baby that I had yeah. because it wasn't in my uterus. Um, that I still remember to the day that I, that we did that. It was May 28th. Yes. I will always remember that date. Well, in October, we were, the doctors there were wonderful. So we were trying some Clomid cycles. Before before you keep going, I honestly want to say thank you for sharing that because it is not talked about very often. And I, I want to thank you for talking about that. And I appreciate your bravery. That's okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to share the story about my fertility journey because a lot of people are going through it in secret. Yes. And and it's hard. It is. so many tears on my side. And when you're in the military, it's hard because you're alone for a lot of that too. And you you don't have anyone to sit there and talk to. And it seems to me like everyone gets pregnant (laughs) when they're there, Yeah, you know, and I'm having to go, Oh, congratulations. Oh, yay. You know, this is your fourth child. Oh, I'm not bitter. Your sixth. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm struggling to have one. Exactly. Yeah. So a- after we had took the shot for the mextroxate in October, I remember going to the doctor or in the hospital, I was in excruciating pain. 
I mean, there was just, there was something wrong. I went into an emergency surgery. They got out what they thought was maybe like a cyst or a tumor. And it turns out that that was the baby. It had attached itself to my right ovary. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. It, it became, yeah. It, what happened was the body, it wasn't going to be a viable, it wasn't like a viable baby. The body had started to close it off. Okay. Um, but inside it was, you know, a child that was 10 weeks old, mm-hmm. um, which was a little rough because my husband worked in the lab. And so it's a small hospital in Leonard Wood. So my husband actually had to see our child. Mm-hmm. And that that was probably one of the hardest things. And I remember when I, you know, when I was going in there, they were trying to be so nice and just to help us and being supportive. And they were like, do you want to see it? It's in a jar. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see my baby in a jar that I just lost. I'm an emotional wreck. No, I'm good. Um, And then, you know, something magical happened in November. Okay. No fertility medication whatsoever. We went on a uh, chaplain retreat. You know, we did that whole what's your love language kind of situation. (laughs) Yes, you have to sit through that and learn that. (laughs) I have been a few times and it is well worth that. Okay. (laughs) I remember, I think we went up to like Lake George or something up there, which is just absolutely, no, that was, no, we went to Branson, ILI. Oh, we love Branson. Yes. We got to go to Branson. They gave you money to spend there and everything. Yeah. It was so cool. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, and something happened in there and I got pregnant. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I remember, and this happened in November. And I remember my doctor being like, all right, we're going to start a new cycle in December. And so they had given me this, um, these pills of progesterone to start my period. Okay. Because okay. that's with PCOS, we just don't have them ever. Yeah. And so they're giving me this medication to start my period. And it's a 10 day supply. And I remember going on like day four or five going something's not right. And it was almost like my body telling me stop taking this medication, stop taking it. And I went in, I, you know, I called my doctor. I said, listen, can we just do some tests? To see, I said, something just doesn't feel right. My husband knew the results before I did. <gasps> Oh my God. <laughs> he calls me up and he goes, You're pregnant. <laughs> Didn't even know. We cried because I thought I, at this time, you know, I don't want to lose this baby. Yes. I'm, I'm terrified, absolutely yeah. terrified. You know, we've already lost two. Mm-hmm. And I am like freaking out that I'm going to lose my next child. Yeah. And out comes Lucas, Yay. you know. <laughs> Oh the, the army, you know, we, we, we PCS'd again in between. <laughs> so now we're back, we're back in San Antonio once again, yeah, which was, it was awesome. Full circle. Yeah, oh full my circle. goodness. Yeah. So we, and I, I remember talking to my fertility doctor. So I was like, I didn't even need you. <laughs> it was a rough patch and I missed you, but I didn't need you. <laughs> I did it on my own. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited and you know it, it it just it was wonderful it was such a good experience and when my son was you know I was pregnant I was about 37 weeks I ended up developing something called cold stasis 
This is where your liver leaks bio into your body and it will kill the baby at 38 weeks. Okay. If it wasn't for my doctors catching this, I would have lost my son. He would not have lived. So at 37 weeks, we had to go in for an amniocentesis to make sure that he could survive birth. And then I was given um, Pitocin for two days. So I went in on the hospital on July 28th, and I had my son on July 30th. For two days, I labored and pushed that baby out. I delivered my child almost butt naked. (laughs) I'm I'm ashamed to admit it. I was mean, okay? (laughs) That every time that nurse came in there to up that Pitocin, she got an article of clothing thrown at her. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Pitocin's no joke. I remember that. No, worst experience. It's just, it was constant. Mm -hmm. And they put that like balloon, that Foley catheter thingy in there to mimic the baby's head. (gasps) And I remember the doctor being like, I had an arm cramp. And I'm like, I don't care what you have. (laughs) That's nothing compared to what we're going through. Oh my God. I I was begging for a C-section, begging for a C-section. And I, I remember they taught my husband how to do the Pitocin because they were too scared to come in the room. <laughs> I, if any doctors or nurses remember me, I am so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Oh, I don't think I you was, have to be sorry. Those are hormones. You are not in control. <laughs> worst experience ever. I mean, having a kid was horrible. No, just, <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. So if it, if it wasn't for my doctors... If it wasn't for the fact that I had open fertility treatment that was offered to me, I wouldn't have my son at all. And after we finally had him, we waited until he was about two and we continued to try again. And we were PCS'd again. (laughs) (laughs) So we were at JBLM. Okay. JBLM has a wonderful fertility clinic here. Um, The only, they partner with Seattle Fertility. The only bad thing is, and not everything's covered. Okay. Unfortunately. So every time I had to get an IUI, I think I paid about $400 out of pocket. Okay. Which is nothing compared to what you would pay on the outside. If you have to go through like uh, IVF, IVF, I, now this is back when I was going through this. Okay. So this has been a few years. All right. Um, When, when you, did it, you had to go to Bethesda or Walter Reed. I don't remember what it's oh, called. Yeah. Today. Okay. So it, out in Washington, DC, you would have to fly out there for two weeks because they're the only military hospital that does IVF. And so you would fly out there. It cost about $5,000 per attempt to have it. So if it didn't work the first time, that's $5,000 gone mm-hmm. and two weeks wasted and the plane ticket and the hotel and food and all that. So you're going to have to try again. But people on the outside are paying fifteen dollars to $20,000 mm. to have that opportunity that we are given at a fraction of the cost. So if it wasn't for my experience of having some wonderful doctors and the fertility treatment that was offered to us as a young married woman we wouldn't have been able to afford it. You know, there there was just, there would have been no way we could have afforded the shots, the medication, just the doctor expenses, the IUIs without paying, you know, paying full cost for it. 
Yeah. It wouldn't have happened. The military gave me a family. It did. And then as my son got older, I remember once again, we were getting ready to PCS. (laughs) (laughs) We we left San Antonio and my son was, um, I think he was right at a year old and he was missing milestones. Um, So we had, we had already had like, like a birth to, to three person already coming into the house and helping our son sit up an occupational physical therapist working with his legs and he wouldn't hold the bottle. And honestly, the only way you can get him to stop crying. And my husband discovered it was if he threw a blanket over his head, <laughs> the bright lights that we now know. Right. Ah, yes. Yeah. So when we went to uh, Fort drum, New York, they, we finally, I had to fight to get a specialist there because they just didn't have specialists. The doctors in San Antonio said, I'm writing in your chart that we suspect that he has autism. It's just too old. He's too young to test. Okay. And so as soon as he hits 19 months old, you're going to have to test him. And so it hit 19 months old, but New York doesn't have anyone up there. And we could go to Syracuse, but Syracuse is a two hour drive. And it's a two at the time, a two year waiting list, two years. That puts my baby at almost four before he'd get a diagnosis. So then the other option was driving to Vermont. My husband's getting ready to deploy. Vermont at that where we had to go at was a six hour one way drive. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is unacceptable. So we worked with a doctor and other families. We all got together and we actually had a doctor come up from Walter Reed and she was diagnosing families there for us. And that, that was through completely through like families. Like I wasn't alone. Other people were in similar boats and we pro, you know, we literally had to write letters to Congress, write letters to the post general, write letters, just asking, pleading for help. And if it wasn't for the people I met and the doctors that were there, we would have never had another doctor specialist fly up there for us. And then I, we, you know, we got the diagnosis of autism. I wasn't surprised at all. And my husband's getting ready to deploy, but they don't have care there. So now I have to do a compassionate reassignment out to Washington state. And they, it it was wonderful. My husband's bag went overseas, but my husband didn't go overseas. (laughs) (laughs) We got that, we got that bag back like four years later. It was insane. (laughs) Insane. I couldn't believe it. I was like four years. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. The army was like, you're going to have to pay for that. I'm like, you guys took it. (laughs) We, we made it. We made it to JBLM. JBLM confirmed the diagnosis, but and they had everything out here. He started ABA, speech therapy, just occupational therapy, everything right off the bat. Okay. And yep, they they even worked with us. Like I remember one of the doctors in Madigan helping us along the way. Like this is what you're going to encounter when you come across the United States. This is what you're expected to do when you get here. I already have your doctor's appointment scheduled. Here is your IEP paperwork for um, EFMP. Here's literally walked us through every step of the way that we needed. And it was amazing. And once again, if we were in the army, I wouldn't have been able to afford any of that. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't imagine living like I'm from Indiana Mm -hmm. and the closest care would have been Chicago. 
but there, there was a waiting list during that time right. in Chicago. So my son would have been in the same boat as everybody else that wouldn't have had access to that. And if it wasn't for the army, we wouldn't have had access to that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Look at that. You are an advocate. You oh. are game changer, mommy bear. Like you are, and, and all the community that you were able to pull together as, you know, all of them together to bring that doctor down. It's just, yeah. it, it was, I, I, like I've said, I've met some amazing men and, you know, men and women. I've met some amazing doctors that have been so helpful. I've met some not so amazing ones too, but it's the same on the outside right. as it is on the inside. I just had more of a community support to help me. I, I mean, I met, I literally met the lady that started the EFMP program for That's the army. Right. I remember you saying yeah. that. Her son and another general son were the very first two people that were in EFMP because they advocated for something for these, for these kids. So if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have something like, you know, the exceptional right. member program. Yeah. And I, I loved it because as I got to know her, I also learned later on in the years, she was one of the people that were on the board to write the very last IDEA down in Washington state for the reauthorization. So she is the reason why we also have the laws that we have surrounding families of special needs in the first place. And she is a military connected spouse. <laughs> is that? It's amazing. It's huge. It's, it's like, you never know what you're going to find. Like we get stuck in this negativity in the military as spouses and you don't understand the abilities that we actually do have. Oh, yes. Yeah. Together we can move mountains, people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that and that's that is exactly what I tell families all the time. Like you guys know that if something's not working for you, write your Congress. Yeah. Write your, you know, and I know it sounds like, oh, they're not gonna listen, but I am proof that they will listen. Yeah. If you have enough people and you have a legit reason, somebody is going to help you. Now, is it hard? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And there, there are going to be days where you're like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Give me a bottle of wine and a yep. bubble bath. <laughs> I am done. And bury oh. me under the ground with like, yeah. a, like a, what's that animal? An yeah. ostrich because I don't even want to. Put my it. head in there. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it, yeah. It, it really grew me as a person, all the experiences that I've had. Um, because I had to do this on my own. It wasn't like I could just ask my husband to do it. Right. They're busy doing other things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, I think you can, you can do so much. Like a lot of people fail to understand that like our medical side of just being in the military TRICARE is actually dictated by Congress. Yeah. So when they take away a program or bring a program in, it's Congress that dictated how to change that up. And so if we want change with anything that goes with our medical costs or anything like that, we need to be reaching out to Congress Yep. and saying, make this change now. Let's do it. Yes. Yep. Get everyone involved. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. And, and you know that we all will. We, we all will. It's just that community that we all have for the bigger cause, the bigger purpose. It's not just, 
you know, I have this issue, yes, but then everybody else does too. Yes. And yes. we just don't talk about it. <laughs> yes. You have, and you have to talk about it. Yep. You have to make those connections to these people because if you don't, you're going to be alone. And that is a very hard place to be. Yeah. Like depression sets in. You don't, you know, you start to learn, like, I'm not going to walk out of the house. Oh, yeah. And that's a bad place to put yourself at, especially when your husband or spouse is gone. Yeah. And you're alone. It, it becomes very lonely, very tiring, and you become very resentful of oh, everything. Absolutely. Your absolutely. husband, your wife, your child, mm-hmm. the house you live at, the place that you're in, you have to get out there. You have to meet people and you have to experience it. Yeah. The good and oh. the bad, too. Yes, the All good and the bad. Oh, and there are some bad topics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those good make it better, though. Yes, it does. <laughs> so this has been such an amazing conversation. I It's just so fulfilling with all the information. I don't even know what questions to ask Seth, to be honest. <laughs> um, but you have, you know, facilitated all of this knowledge and, you know, have shared it in such an open way and, you know, while you were active duty spouse and transitioning into becoming a veteran spouse, um, what other things were you a part of? Like, like extracurriculars, speaking of like not being an introvert, um, coming outside into the community, community and experiencing life with friends, family, resources, um, or anything that you've created. So I, uh, every place has its it's advocacy. And I, I love, I love to be an advocate. It's, you know, it's not everybody's shining point, but it, it's definitely mine. And um, out here in Washington state, I used to work for a company called PAVE, Washington PAVE. And we had a program that worked with the military family. It's called STOMP, Specialized Training of Military Parents. And for two years, the army and that program pay, well, the military, cause it was army and Navy. So the military had paid for, you know, myself and a few other people to travel to other installations in the United States and give two-day workshops on IDA, 504 plans, and TRICARE and learning about this stuff with TRICARE, SSI, guardianships, wills, special needs trust funds. And we taught military families, you're not alone. These are the resources in your area. How can we help you? You know, because when you move, it's hard. And this helped connect people. So even though my husband was getting out and transitioning, I was still very much trying to be a part of it. You know, we worked at, um, I remember in San Antonio, I used to work for Best Buy. I volunteered for every program that had to do with Soldiers Angels. Yes. Yep. They, Best Buy down there gave so much money to them and helped give so many soldiers just technology that they could build a, a better life for, the, for themselves. And it was absolutely amazing. You know, watching, we lived in the community that actually had a veteran house. And so you would, you know, they put specialized ramps to go up there. And it would, it's really life-changing to see these people that have given really everything. Yeah. And we can't turn our backs on them, Mm-mm. you know? My husband, being a disabled veteran himself now, 
Um, and he's, he is a hundred percent. And that reason mainly is because while he was in the service, um, he ingested something, you know, from one of the places that we were there and he had a really bad reaction. Um, and the, the doctors had pushed a bunch of medication on him and unfortunately it caused kidney failure. And so my husband is in stage four kidney failure. Um, at stage five, he'll end up on dialysis. And so we we try to stay as healthy as positive. But I, in the back of my head, I know the struggles that are going to have to happen. My husband is almost 40. And I am just waiting to to be like, hey, let's go, you know, let's take you for your dialysis appointment and stuff. And if we didn't have the programs that we have with the veteran place, you know, that we go to and just the help that they've had, I don't know if I would be so, I guess, I think I would be very depressed about my future. And, you know, the, the, it's, it's not as depressing as I, you know, I think about it. If he needs extra help, the VA will actually pay me to take care of him. Right. Yes. As the caregiver. Yep. As a caregiver. And it's, and it's a decent wage too. So that is something that if we get to that point, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. So that, that is some of the stuff that I tried to stay involved with today. It's important. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And then, um, you know, you have mentioned about your journey and everything of um, becoming a BCBA and all of that. Um, Was there anything that helped you, um, well, we've already been through that. The positivity, staying positive when possible. Yep. I try to stay busy as much as possible. Um, I, I, I really do. My, I am like, my mind doesn't stop twenty four seven. I'm trying <laughs> to think of something else to to work on. Um, so you know, I, if I'm not at, you know advocating and helping people, um, especially that are military connected. I am literally out there um, trying to, you know, it, you know, in our community already, we have a workout yes. group. Yep. You know, I have the, some girls come to my house and we work out in the gym. Well, I call it the gym. It's a garage. But <laughs> it, might, it may as well be a, a, a workout gym because it, yep. it's amazing. Yep. <laughs> Everybody comes over, so right? Functional, yeah. Yep. All military connected. We we try to stay positive in our community by watching out for one another. If somebody's deployed, we're running over there and giving, you know, jumper cables or a coat because their <laughs> stomach hurts. And we're just trying to, you know, just trying to stay as active as possible. Um, you know, I, I'm involved in, I'm actually trying to write it. Well, I'm almost done with a book. Yes. <laughs> I know that that sounds crazy. It has nothing to do with the military. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. It is a total sci-fi shifter romance. Heck yeah. (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah. I I still try to stay at, you know, as I I try to occupy my brain space. So, you know, it it doesn't stop. If you're in the service, you can still write. If you're out of the service, you can still write. If you're in the service, you can advocate and make change. And if you're out of the service, you can still do the same thing. Yes. Thank you so much, Christina. Oh, this has touched so many lives. I'm sure of it. Is there anything or something that you would like to share um, 
with the audience that would gear them to a hopeful future in the military, even outside of the military? I, I would, let's see, I would say, honestly, I know things get hard. There are struggles all around. The military does really provide an opportunity for the service member and their families to succeed and grow. And I know a lot of families that will go, it's better on the outside. And I can promise you, being somebody that's been on both sides of the pendulum, it's not always better on the outside. Um, There's a lot of things that we don't take into consideration, like how much health care cost on the outside that you know for a family you might be paying four to eight hundred dollars a month and then you have a cost share on top of that and every pill that you take sometimes is not covered from your insurance and you know I remember one of my son's inhalers running over a hundred dollars a month and it would have been completely covered had we still had that opportunity and you have to pull the good that is there You have to literally kind of get yourself involved. You have to drag yourself out of that depression. You need to get out there and make friends. And there are so many programs that the MWR has, the spouse clubs have. I'm not saying that you have to be a part of the FRG. I didn't. I never was. I'm not going to lie to you. I just, I couldn't get involved in that. Mm -hmm. I had way too much other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But you can take trips that have discounts, you, they have get togethers where you can literally go with other people. You know, if you go and do the chaplain resort or retreats and stuff, mm-hmm. that's free. Yeah. And you could take your kid there because they have a babysitter for you. Yay. I mean, hello. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> right there. <laughs> you're going to see stuff and you're going to do stuff and you just have to keep open minded of everything. And remember that your bad days aren't that bad it could be worse thank you for your time christina this has been amazing bye thank you so much you're welcome bye What an amazing conversation that was thank you so much for sharing your expertise your knowledge and your skills with the Coaching the Brave community. We appreciate you so much. And for you listeners out there, if you enjoyed it and it really touched your heart and you thought of someone that it could benefit, share it with them. Thank you again for listening. I encourage you to review. Check out my website as well, yovanachase.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Coaches. And I am here because I want to help you succeed. I want to help you be a more positive you. And right now I'm doing a promotion where you will get a one-on-one holistic fat loss program. Um, You can get a free 15-minute call with me. So if you head on over to my IG, under my bio, you can find that Calendly uh, link where you can go ahead and sign up for that. I'm excited to speak with you in person. Oh my gosh, through this Zoom virtual life here. So if you are interested or know someone who might be interested in losing 20 pounds in 90 days holistically, 
please share, sign up. And again, I cannot wait to talk with you next week. Have a wonderful week.